The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. I hope you had a nice weekend. I certainly did. It was a rare weekend of not leaving my home borough of Staten Island, which was very nice. And I got to catch up with some family, catch up on a bunch of errands. And I'll tell you a little bit about it if the opportunity presents itself later. Hopefully you did as well. Hey, do you remember back in 2021 where there was vaccine requirements everywhere you went. Any which way you look, there was vaccine requirements, vaccine requirements, and vaccine requirements. Well, the more that we learned, the more we learned that these vaccine requirements didn't necessarily make sense because once you were vaccinated, you could still get the virus. And a lot of people were willing to risk getting the virus. And we saw that the effect that the virus might have on uh, a healthy young person is not necessarily the same as it might have on, say, an older person with a compromised immune system. As of now, you can go into a restaurant without proof of vaccination. You can come into your workplace for the most part without proof of vaccination. You can go to a ball game without proof of vaccination. You could play professionally in New York without proof of vaccination. However, there is still one place that still has a COVID-19 vaccination requirement. CUNY, the City University of New York, if you're a student there and you want to, even if you want to take a combination of hybrid in-person and at-home classes, you need to show proof of vaccination. Well, now a bipartisan group of New York City Council members is demanding that CUNY join much of the rest of society by rescinding its requirement. They've written to the CUNY Chancellor, the City Council's eight-member Common Sense Caucus, led by my good friend Joe Borelli, who I saw Sunday morning, ran into him at the Annadale Terrace. It was good to see him and his beautiful wife, Rachel, and his family after a soccer game. Unfortunately, they lost the soccer game. But this is an example of real leadership. At almost every level of government, vaccine mandates, the COVID restrictions, and states of emergency across the country have been removed. Why keep it a CUNY? I hope the members of the Common Sense Caucus are able to get this vaccine requirement lifted. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. You might have seen the New York City controller Brad Lander, which itemized the amount of overtime spending the NYPD is doing. I think that report was largely a joke and just yet another excuse on the part of Brad Lander to criticize the NYPD. Well, now the Speaker of the City Council, Adrian Adams, is doing something that is just so bizarre. So she's complaining of high police overtime. And she said last week that she supports the progressives' goal of reducing the size, scope, and budget of the NYPD. Yet, the department's ranks are already historically small, and it's still shrinking. And you thought crime couldn't get any worse. See what happens when you have many fewer cops. If there's an overtime problem with the NYPD, wouldn't the solution be more police officers rather than fewer police officers? If you had more 
more police officers, you wouldn't need to stretch the existing force so thin, forcing them to cover shifts that could be done by others and thereby saving money in the long term on overtime. The New York City Police Department's uniformed officers has shrunk significantly in number and as a share of city spending, even as New York's population has grown to just under 8.5 million people now from about 7 million people back in 1980. Adrian Adams and the Progressive Caucus in the City Council, they are absolutely, completely, 100% wrong. The solution is not less cops. The solution is more cops. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, a state panel gave the Hochul a new list of seven candidates to be New York's next chief judge. A very important job. And this is more than a month after the high-profile rejection of her previous pick, which was Judge Hector LaSalle. It's a couple of interesting things on this list of seven. One, the first thing that jumps out because we're in such an era of identity politics and so forth is now there are no Latinos on the list. So this would have been a great win for the Latino community if uh, they were able to pick a Latino as the top judge in New York State. That will now definitely not happen because there's not one on this list of seven. Only two of the picks are the same as on the previous list that this panel submitted to the governor. I think of these seven, the far and away best choice for the governor and for the state of New York is the gentleman that's currently serving as the acting chief judge of the New York State Court of Appeals, Judge Anthony Canataro. He was confirmed to the New York Court of Appeals as an associate judge in June of 2021. Prior to his appointment, he was a justice of the state Supreme Court in New York County and served as the citywide administrative law judge for the New York City Civil Court. The guy is incredibly experienced. And in the two years that he's been on the bench, he has been a rare voice of common sense. Now, this is a guy, lifelong Democrats, he's not some sort of secret Republican, but he's a guy that's shown a lot of independence as a judge and an ability to call balls and strikes as he sees them. Like when he threw out that ridiculous gerrymandering that the state legislature tried to do to the congressional and the state legislative lines. That took a lot of courage. And I don't think Canataro should be penalized for that courage. Also, an incredible opportunity to make history because Judge Canataro would be the first openly gay chief justice of the New York State Court of Appeals. I don't think that's why he should be picked. I think he should be picked because he's the best qualified, in my opinion, and he's the demonstrated a great track record as an associate judge, but if that's what gets him over the finish line, so be it. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. While I was largely raised Catholic, uh, these days I mostly consider myself a practitioner with the Episcopal Church. And when we go to the church, we generally go to an Episcopal Church service. Sometimes we'll go to a Methodist service, but once, but mostly it's Episcopal services. And uh, I like the leadership of the uh, Episcopal Church of New York very much. But I have to tell you, they are going down a path 
that I have a major problem with. And we've had the bishop of the uh, Episcopal Church of New York on the show before. Maybe we'll invite him back to discuss not just this, but a bunch of other things. Andrew Deitch is his name. He's a great guy and a real man of God. But I'll uh, certainly have him to have him back to talk about this. The Episcopal Diocese of New York says it's taking steps to right its wrongs when it comes to slavery. And the church is apologizing for its participation in the slave trade. Now, I have a big problem with with this. I have a big problem with people today apologizing for stuff that they didn't do that happened hundreds of years ago. I really do. But all right, I can live with it. Maybe they feel an apology on behalf of the institution is warranted. But here's the other beef that I have. Not only have they set up a reparations commission, but they're also pledging $1 million that will go towards education and work in the community. Now, education is great. Work in the community is great. And that's one of the things I love about the Episcopal Church. But I have to say, a reparations commission? I am so totally against the idea of reparations. Ultimately, this money is going to come from people like me, people that donate when they go to church regularly. I never owned slaves. As best I know, none of my ancestors ever owned slaves. Why should our church donations go wholly or in part to people that were never slaves? Beam me up! To be continued.